This is Kelly O'Mara, and this is your last episode of Triathlon-ish for 2022. We'll be taking a few weeks off, and then we'll be back with some new things in 2023. But first, Sid and I are recapping the year and looking ahead, and then we hand over the mic for a special guest interview with Shannon Spake, the NASCAR commentator and avid triathlete who did the commentary and announcing and TV uh, for Daytona. And so she tells us a little bit about what it's like on that side of the camera, what she's learned over the years, and, you know, what you can see this weekend on TV when Daytona airs. All of that after this break. All right, we're here with Sid for our last episode of the year. So we're just going to sum up the whole year oh my right God. now. In 10, in like minutes? 10 minutes? Like we've just spoken for 40 minutes on off air before we started recording. And that wasn't even like <laughs> touching on. That was like just what's happened in the last week, let alone the last year. Oh my God, I can't. Isn't it that typical cliche? Oh my God, where did the year go? How are we at the end of the year already? Like panic stations. This year has gone so fast. Um, I'm in a current state of... I travel home for Christmas tomorrow, but I'm not sure what flights and trains are doing. And yeah, right. I've still got to list the length of however long Timbuktu of things. So yeah, I was at I was at some holiday thing like this past weekend, and whatever we were talking about with my husband, you know, t- somebody's like, "Oh, what have you been up to?" And it, he's talking about how so he like almost made the Olympics, but and you know, then they like did qualified didn't get selected it was a whole drama there were lawsuits involved and i was like oh yeah last year that was crazy and he was like no no that was in january and i was like that was in january <laughs> yeah i know it has been a long yeah. year <laughs> i was um i know and just when you like we said off air we were, like talking about thinking back over what happened this year and i was just writing a few notes going was that this was that this no that can't be this year that must have been last year surely that was last year i was like no that was back in may and i um i watched um Somehow I watched BBC Sports Personality of the Year um, last night, which was awesome, obviously. And I have to say it was amazing because most of the awards went to female athletes, which is the first time ever. But even just when they do like their montages and they recap some of the events and I was like, really, did that happen this year? Was that not was that not last year as well? So, yeah, it's been um, a pretty crazy year as we knew it probably it would been. be. I also... I also realized I have no recollection of 2021. Like, I have no idea what happened in 2021. It no, it's out. just a void. So, like, those three years, I think 2020, 21 were voids. 2022 has Fine. been a pretty fast blur. I feel like we're in no sign of slowing down into 2023 while people are still trying to work out what the F's going on. <laughs> All right. So what we did promise we were going to do was think back on what was actually this year. Yes. And our biggest moment of the year, our favorite, favorite oh. moment of the year. Are you ready? Oh, gosh. What's yours? And you're going to go straight to me. Oh, oh unfair. I think, um, uh, as always, I can't dial it down to one. I did love the two days in Kona with the right. women on the Thursday and seeing Chelsea win. Um, but if I, I keep going back to St. George in May mm. and that, dominance from Daniela just back at the top of her game but not just that then seeing the likes of Kat Matthews coming through and just taking it to her and having such a great year and I'm excited for Kat you know obviously 
She then had had the real bad accident, but you know we're just glad it wasn't worse. And I think she's going to come back. I think watch out world for Cat Matthews in twenty twenty three. I'm now getting yeah. confused. I'm like, what do, year, I, what year I, are we I, in? Twenty three? Yeah, twenty twenty. I do remember standing at the exit yeah. of T two as Cat was running out and just being like, "This is." I'm totally sure my yelling is what did the race for her, but just what? yelling like, "Yes, your race. Yes. You got this. Don't think about anything." Like, it wasn't it? Wasn't it? It wasn't it? Your yelling in Kona as well to Chelsea. Come on, you know, Chelsea. <laughs> yeah. It's all you, Kelly. Your cheering all me, changes yeah. these races. So yeah, <laughs> I think sorry, boys, as well. That's um, two very female dominant races. Yeah, I think. obviously the. I mean, I've, I've said before, like the moment Chelsea like came over the final hill yeah. with like that that very Hawaii. Like you were obviously racing, so you didn't <laughs> yeah. see it, but that behind. very Hawaii shot. Yeah. <laughs> Where like the helicopters and this, you know what I mean? The one you've seen a million times yeah. and it was like a woman. I was just like crying. Right. Like, yeah. and, and then I thought, and then everyone I know was crying too. So, I mean, obviously that was a big, uh, a big deal. I will give a shout out to the Norwegians. I do think they are awesome. And I think it's hard to ignore the influence they've had this year too. Just, I mean, Christian's last 18 months. Crazy. When you think about them. Oh, I mean, gold medal, world tri champion, Ironman World Champion, Seven. sub seven, third, third then at the other Ironman World Championships, then winning seventy point three, and then like, eh, screw it, back to Olympic racing, right? Like that's it's great, it's ridiculous. that's just insane. It is, yeah. yeah. And that's funny when you like again, they have done so much in the sport, but then and then when we're thinking about going, oh my god, that was all this year. That like they did do all that this year. That wasn't like the last few years. So um, yeah, they were going to be that was going to be my kind of the. The tag teaming between Christian and um, Gustav. But yeah, I think Christian, like whilst I know Gustav won Kona and that was a really incredible performance, but I think just what um, Christian has done in terms of, yeah, coming from the Olympics, the range, the sub seven, the everything you just laid out, I think has been pretty impressive. And where they, like you said, their influence and where they are taking, if we then look, you know, Mm -hmm. jump ahead to that next where they are taking the sport with the science and the data and the investment that they have in different companies and what they are trying to set up is pretty impressive and slightly scary, but pretty impressive. And I know, I mean, I know everyone is super obsessed with their science, right? Like, oh, we got to get the science. Do you do the science, right? And and for sure, like they are on another, like they've told me some things they're doing or their coach has, not they. Um, I've told me some things they're doing that they don't even like talk, right? That are just like, Oh, I'm sure they've got. They're not going to. They're not going to share everything, are they? Because otherwise, how do they keep the competitive edge? Yeah. I mean, there's there's like this whole thing with like CO2 where you're like, yeah, but if you screw up, you could die. And you're like, oh, cool, great. Like, so they're doing like weird stuff, for sure. But I also think everyone. I think they overplay the whole science aspect. I think there's totally, totally an element of like greatness elevates greatness. Everybody now, because think about Sam Laidlaw and Max Newman at Kona and all the other guys at Kona. They knew they had to be that good, and they knew it was possible. And once you know something's possible, you tell yourself, well, screw it. I'm sure I can do it. And you usually, because of the history of women's sports, you see those kind of jumps more often in women's sports because, you know, we're still like, God, I was watching something about the 80s, and, like, we didn't even have sports then, right? Exactly, yeah. Right. So we're still catching up. We weren't allowed to to run marathons because it would hurt us. Yeah. Yeah. No, my my mother-in-law was going on about this. Anyway, um... So, like, yeah, when you look at the history, like, yeah. it's really, really recent. So it happens a lot of women's sports. We have these huge jumps. But I think we're actually seeing it across the sport right now, which is so crazy. And so I'm, 
you're just it's just kind of elevating everyone so it i think like, i su- think that'll su- keep happening yeah success breeds success doesn't it and you know yeah. it, it was only a couple of years ago when the thought of doing an iron man and then another iron man like two weeks later was just like oh my god you can't possibly do that and then a couple of people did it and then it was like oh actually you can and you can do quite well and now it's like people are doing all crazy things and performing back to back at a new elevated level um which is yeah i mean that's exciting isn't it that's what the development of human potential i guess um, nice yeah there we go and that's right you know so I, what... I know sub seven sub eight got kind of like i think we were both, I, I think we were, both, I we were both funny. we were both fans of it and like yeah. i know it wasn't a traditional iron branded race or distance but it wasn't meant to be and it was just like seeing what was possible and i was excited to watch it and see a different dynamic and stuff so i thought that was a that was a pretty cool thing that happened this year again does it, was that this year that was it that was, that that was, was this year. year that was in june yeah wow yeah. yeah and that was like and you know there was nothing funnier than watching like christian's pacer guy like fall over on his bike oh, yeah that was yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> trying to feed her i think he's that his runner was then riding a bike and like kind of like yeah just went head over and then Couldn't also like yeah i mean riding bikes is hard yeah, yeah. it is yeah but you know yeah so when we think forward to next year i mean obviously there's a I think it's been a weird couple of years. I mean, that's like understatement of the century, right? But like, obviously for the last couple of years, there's been this kind of like, no one really knows what's happening in triathlon. And since that's, you know, that's sort of my expertise, people constantly are asking me like, what's the trend? Like, what's going to happen in tri? Is it going to grow? Is it going to shrink? And I've been like, shit, man, I don't know. Cause nobody knew. But then this year you finally felt like there was actually a lot of money, a lot of momentum, a lot of, and it wasn't just money for the sake of money, right? There's like a lot of exciting young stars coming up. There's like a shift happening in our perspective of the sport, right? And so when we look forward to next year, I mean, I'm still not sure, like, what's going to happen. Like, I, don't, I still don't know if, like, it's going to go the direction I hope it's going or if, or if everyone's going to, you know, cash out in a yeah. year. But next year is going to be really exciting, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, look, I, I think yeah. so. I think there's a lot of nerves around it. I think this year has been a big mm-hmm. year, as we've said. There's so much has happened. And I think yes. people are fairly tired and fatigued and are just trying to get to the end of the year. And then suddenly you throw in a lot of uncertainty, which to some degree can be exciting and could be seen to be really positive and you can make something really great out of it. But also it is unnerving and it is just like that, oh my God, we don't know what's going to happen. And is this going to, yeah, go, you know, there's one direction that we hope it will go in and it'll be amazing, but it's something like, oh, but what if it doesn't sort of thing. So I think we just, people just need to get through to the start of the year have that break, have that whole like stereotype. Oh, it's the 1st of January. It's a new year. It's a new me and all that. And look forward. Um, but you know, I, I, I'm, I'm gathering there are going to be uh, some announcements in the first week of January that'll make everyone. I think, feel the, first, I think the first couple of weeks better. of January, there might be some yeah. announcements from all that, all sides of the industry, um, which I think will help calm a few. Well, look, no one's ever going to be happy with everything, but hopefully no. it will having a, some certainty about some things will be will help people um what am i excited for for 2022 um three 2023 2023. (laughs) that's where i'm at already i already don't know what year it is what we're going to um i think just um i think the to see the developments of the pto um i'm really excited that we have Chris Commode as the chairman um, with his background coming from tennis and his um, resume is the wrong word, but his experience and, and vision. I am 
And having had a few conversations with him, I'm super positive and energized about that. Yes, again, it's probably not going to be for everybody at once and it's going to take a bit of time. And I'm not sure 2023 is the year that we will crack it, but I think we're going in the right direction. So I'm excited about that. Um, And then I'll have to say again, like the women getting their own day for the world championships. um, I think that's super exciting. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of money for sure coming into the sport right now. I mean, Super League's doing a good job, I think already. And then, yeah, the PTO, you know, I really, I am really hoping that 2023, they like build the base for, for by the time, because I, you know, every new business, you have a three to five year period where yeah. you are going to lose massive amounts of money. It's not, really it's true. not seven so years. So I'm hoping by like it's not seven years. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, three to five, well, you have those kind of investors yeah, that yeah. want their money back. Yeah, by yeah. That. But like, I'm hoping by the end of 2023, we do start like the, that the PTO is able to create a sustainable model that does really like grow the sport here, because yeah. I think it has the potential. And I, you know, with the new events that are going to be coming next year with the broadcast deals, even though everyone knows I did not enjoy the broadcast last week. um, (laughs) I think, you know, all the pieces are there and the athletes are excited. And if they just get the athletes more involved and kind of like work out the kinks, I think there's something here. And Uh, I I do think super league also is doing a really good job. So, you know, there's, there's a lot, like two different avenues. I know. And it's great because super league can cater for the short course athletes. And then the PTO can maybe cater for the longer course athletes. (laughs) But yeah, and I do think also to your point, like obviously, uh, I hate this. I hate the phrase everyone's saying that like women's sports are having a moment because like, you're yeah. kind of like mm, more than a moment. Yeah. It's fine, whatever. But there's a lot of exciting things happening, right? Yeah. Like people are actually taking it seriously, and that's partially a timing thing. It's partially a generational thing because you have an entire generation of women who are like yeah. our age that are just yeah taking like they've never not taken it seriously. Um, and so I am excited for that. Like it's not just the women's day. Uh, like women getting their own day and getting yeah. their own coverage is also, you know, it is growing everywhere. You're also seeing a whole rash of like female stars in mid distance that I think are like crazy, you know, Ashley gentle, yeah. Taylor neighbor, crazy. And like, and then, you know, at the Olympic level, which has always been more equal because it has to by decree, um, you know, they're enacting a maternal leave policy and like, and there are a lot of exciting females. So anyway, and I think, women's racing, yeah, very exciting. The other thing that we didn't say there is like next year is the start of the Olympic cycle and for qualifying. So I think we're mm-hmm. going to see that's when you know like the, going back to the men, the Norwegians are going back to the Olympics distance and the WTS racing. I am sure they'll do a few PTO races because they can do everything. Probably. But you know, other athletes, Kyle Smith from New Zealand is going back to focus on trying to get a slot for Paris twenty twenty four. So. I think that, you know, we've, we're now in that last two years for the Olympics again. So that's an exciting build-up going into next well, year. Well, the qualifying events, obviously every country does theirs differently, but the two big ones that most countries are going to be using are the test event in August yeah. and then the grand final, which I believe is end of September. Yeah. So th- so those are actually coming up, like, yeah. well, pretty quickly. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. I, I think, like you said, it's, it's, and yes, it's women's sport in tri- or women in triathlon and a great um momentum but i also think like like i said i watched the bbc sports personality of the mm-hmm. year last night and team of the year with was the england lionesses the football team the personality of the year was beth mead who was a footballer who and it's never been mm-hmm. given or i don't even know the last time it went to a female athlete coach of the year was the, the a female young uh, the serena Viegman, the football coach england football coach for the women's 
Young Athlete of the Year was a female gymnast. The comment, the the host team who were hosting the event was three female commentators and Gary Lineker, one male kind of thing. It was just super incredible to see not just women female athletes, but and and the the, the change in publicity they're getting, but just across the board in terms of there's more you know more females in commentary mm-hmm. and more females in the industry and sorry guys I know we're probably then um, eh, half we, we love you we love you men as well but um we obviously got a slight passion to the, the women's side of the sport there's a lot happening basically there's yeah. a lot happening in the women's in women's sports generally um <laughs> my husband kept joking that I could stop calling it the men's world cup because it's the only one that's on right now and I was like, like oh it's the men's world cup I didn't even actually think about it because to me I only care because the U.S. women are so good at soccer yeah. I only think about the Women's World Cup, so I'm like, I don't even think about the other one. I I think we should start calling it the Men's World Cup and the (laughs) Women's World Cup. It's like... It was, in his defense, the only one currently on. True, but also they would always, they always will call it the World Cup and then it will be the Women's World Cup next year kind of thing. And it's like, meh, hang on. And it's like, when people talked about, I remember when some of the media were talking about Kona this year... And they're like, oh, Kona is on Saturday. And I was like, no, the men's Kona is on Saturday. The women's Kona is on Thursday. Kona is not on Saturday kind of thing. And was making sure that we uh, we corrected that Yeah, there well. were a few. There were a few, well, we have a rehearsal on Thursday comments. Uh, yes, and I was like, was. Eh. Yeah. anyway. Yes. Anyway. Anyway. It is a very, a lot's going to be happening this year. My And then from a mass participation industry standpoint, I think the big question, obviously I don't know the world. Super, I know the U.S. very, very well. And for sure we're still trying to see right for sure events are still down like they still can't sell out like that's not unique to triathlon that's unique to all like there's still a nervousness about being canceled there's still like people also kind of are like just getting back to like they're like do i want to train i don't know i i my i finally rejoined a gym after like three years and the person asked if i was training for something and i was like yeah and they were like for what i was like i haven't decided yet I don't know, something like, so I think there's still this, like, we're still waiting to see, you know, if everybody leaves for gravel yeah, and ultra running or if, or if they keep doing, and I, I mean, my argument's always been, and I think what might finally be coming to fruition, cause I've been arguing it for like five years that triathlon really is like all the sports, right? Like all of us, not who aren't you, who aren't pros do trail runs and bike races and swim runs and all the things. I still right? do trail so, runs. I've done some gravel races. I've done I've run. But yeah, yeah, totally. I think like you need to look it's the endurance market. It's mm-hmm. you've got people that are we doing triathlon. Yeah. Maybe what rather than yeah. Well, I think there's a long history of triathlon as a sport is called like you get called a you and Ironman and I'm like, well, no, I'm a triathlete. Like yeah. Ironman's a brand. Yes, I do their races, but I'm a triathlete. I'm not like and there's a and so I think you get caught up. It's not called triathlon. It's not called modest sport or whatever. It is called by a a brand, which they've done an amazing yeah. job, obviously. But that's where we need to kind of go. Yeah, no, I want to be an endurance athlete, whatever that entails. Whether that is doing right and like somehow, a trail run or a gravel race or a road ride, road race on the bike or yeah, or like, and I mean, at least here it's like it's a little dabbling in CrossFit. Yeah. It's like that's that's the that's the thing, right? And yeah. that's and so triathlon. If we're going to survive this next year and all the interest, it has to move away from being so defined by triathlon races and yeah. more defined by like the, doing stuff. The endurance element fun. of like, I think break it down and be like, 
endurance athletes are pretty incredible and phenomenal and yeah. let's focus on that rather than the specifics of yeah the distance or whatever it is yeah yeah right because i i feel like a lot of triathletes are going to be skiing this winter so oh yeah i'm i'm was planning like i was like can i get up to andorra before i come back to the u.s or should i just buy all my stuff when i come back to the u.s and then go skiing yeah yeah that's another it is it's another trait that you know you Yes, skiing has, like, I think probably maybe for, like, the Europeans and some of the North Americans, they've done skiing or cross-country as cross-training. But I think then it's, again, it's the next endurance aspect, the schemo, the cross-country that people are picking up to give themselves breaks, separation, something new, something, yeah, different, and then flip back to triathlon and, yeah, summer. Just do whatever. Do everything. So we'll see what happens this year. Lots of exciting racing uh lots of yeah lots of lots of potential there's a lot of potential there's a lot of potential for things to be awesome yeah and let's see gonna be awesome it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be awesome (laughs) (laughs) all right Sid. we'll talk to you in 2023 yeah have a good christmas and happy new year Well, I am super excited about today's guest. I have tried to summarize your bio and achievements, um, but it's just so impressive to me, so long. And frankly, I don't know how you fit it all in. Also, I have to say, I am a little intimidated about today's guest because uh, she is a professional interviewer, interviewer, commentator, presenter. Um, But NFL and NASCAR reporter for Fox Sports, having also worked for ESPN, other networks covering basketball, football, NFL, pitch side, also preview and review shows. I have not done any of that enough justice. I've very summarized, high level. Um, this is a bit I think was quite cool. You're also the voice of Shannon Spoke in Cars 3, the Pixar movie. You've done marathons, triathlons. You're an ambassador for the Ironman Foundation. You're an ambassador for scoliosis, which you were diagnosed with as a child. And possibly, I don't know, maybe more importantly, you are a wife and mum to twin boys who I understand are going to soon turn teenagers in a few days. Um, Shannon, it is an absolute honour and pleasure to welcome you onto the Triathlon-ish podcast. How are you? And, And happy Christmas. How is Christmas? Thank you. Yeah, all that stuff just means I'm really old. <laughs> I've been doing it for a really long time. Um, good. Christmas was good. This time of the year is crazy because I'm still doing NFL stuff. And the days just seem super compact with getting ready for Christmas. The kids are out of school. Uh, so kind of I think once Christmas is behind us, my kid's birthday is on New Year's Day. Um, and then I get a little time off once the NFL season ends before we get right back into NASCAR at the end of January. So it, it never really stops, but you know, this is the thing I've always said, if you want everything, you have to do everything. And I try to remember that mantra when I get super tired or super stressed or, or just need a break from, uh, from all the craziness. I'm very, very, very blessed to have all of these things in my life. That's the way I look at it. Okay. And that, and that's great. And I want to come back to that later on in terms of how you get that balance and any tips for other sort of women or men we can, we're not going to exclude today that have all those things that they're trying to juggle, but 
Look, we first met a couple of weeks ago at Clash Daytona, and I was lucky enough to shadow you around as you did your on on the ground commentary and and storytelling. And I mean, there's a lot of things I'd I'd love to cover today, but limited on time. But let's go back. Let take us back to the the Shannon Spake as a little girl and how and why you ended up in sports commentary. And was that something you always wanted to do growing up? It's funny because I'll I'll talk to people that I you know, went to high school with or, or, you know, younger. Uh, and they'll always say, I remember when you said that you wanted to do this. I remember when you said, I honestly think that my childhood was just survival mode. It wasn't a great childhood, single family, mom worked three jobs. I mean, I think the typical nineties kid kind of, um, kind of lifestyle growing up in Fort Lauderdale, there was a lot of distractions, a lot of things that could get you in trouble. Fortunately, fortunately, I did have swimming. Swimming was sort of the uh, thing that I, I quote unquote say saved my life, and that's not hyperbole. I really think that it kind of kept me on a straight, a straight line. Um, and I had that, and uh, so I don't really know if I had these ambitions or these goals when I was younger. Uh, I just wanted to survive, and I wanted to support myself. Being from a single, um, like a, a single mom, seeing her do it while raising two daughters, I remember thinking to myself. I don't want to have to rely on somebody financially ever in my life. And so maybe those goals were the ones that kind of set the base for where I am now. I really think the on-air stuff found me. I was working in television. Um, once I got out of college, I moved to New York City and I was working in television, but I was working behind the scenes and was really happy doing that. Um, one thing led to another and there was an opportunity on camera and I said, what the heck, let me try. And I did. And it's just snowballed since then. So I really think that this has found me, but I love it. I always tell people you cannot fake passion. If you do not love what you do, you cannot pretend to love what you do. And I, I love what I do, all of it. And I think that that's so important to just find that passion in, in things that you're going to spend most of your life doing and in a large portion of your life um, away from your friends and family doing. Yeah, I love that. I mean, obviously, following my passion into <clears throat> sport and into triathlon and mm -hmm. leaving the corporate world. But so that that opportunity you got for that on camera job, was that within sports? Or was that just sort of, I don't know, news, news as such? Did you I mean, did you? Were you a fan of NASCAR and NFL growing up? Or? Yeah, NFL, definitely. College football, definitely. Growing up in Fort Lauderdale, not NASCAR. So um, my first on-air job was at a local station here in Charlotte. And I was I was literally doing everything at the station to try to stay off unemployment. I had moved from New York. I lived in New York for three years. I was there during September 11th. And I, I, I don't think I left New York because of September 11th. But I think that the things that it made me aware of, uh, the things that I wanted out of life, that event kind of really brought some of those things um, to the forefront of my mind. And New York couldn't provide some of those things, you know, being around family, having grass that you could run around on, having a life work balance. New York just didn't do that for me. So when, when I was there for three years, I eventually moved to Charlotte, which is ironically where pretty much my entire family had relocated to while I was in New York. I was working at a local station. I was doing everything I could to stay off unemployment. I mean, I was like sweeping the floors, uh, anything that I could do. And they had an on-air position for one of the morning 
reporters. I mean, and you know that you know the the reporter. Hey, we're here at Krispy Kreme. Hey, we're here <laughs> at the roller coaster park. We're here, and um, and so I mean, it fit my personality just to a T, and I just said, let me try it. And, um, and, and I was able to get the job, but it didn't come without some sacrifices because in order to get that job, I still had to do my old job at the network. So I would like work overnights, go out and shoot my segments and then drop my segments into the morning show the next day. So I was still kind of producing the show, doing the morning stuff, um, just kind of doing, again, just just working really, really hard uh, for that next opportunity. And, and no, I didn't know anything about NASCAR. I was very fortunate that I, I had um, come in contact with someone in the area, which I tell, another thing I tell young people is always make sure networking is number one. You never, never, never know who, who you meet might be the person that helps you get that job. And, and that did happen to me. And it was at Speed Channel. I knew nothing about racing. I locked myself in my room for weeks and weeks and weeks before there was Google and before there was all this stuff. And I just read and read and read. Um, and then I got really lucky because ESPN called right around 2006. They were getting back into NASCAR and they were looking for some young reporters who didn't have ties to networks. And, and I fit the mold. Um, work hard, work cheap, uh, not a lot of experience. And I, and I got it at ESPN. Very, very, very lucky. And now you kill it. Well, you've clearly comes out several times like your work ethic. And maybe that's why I come on to it later. Sort of you are always on the go and traveling and juggling things. But like so you've you've got that work ethic, but you're then moving into a role in a very male dominated environment. Obviously, NFL, college football, um, but then NASCAR. Did you did you feel you had to up that level even more or did you ever feel any sort of resistance into coming in as a female into that into that sport? No, because I've always said I think hard work is genderless. And I think that if you work hard, people recognize that, whether you're a woman or or a man. And you know that in the triathlon world, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you know, listen, we're we're put in different, you know, categories as far as the male and the female, but the respect level across the board is huge. You know how much work it puts it takes to to get to that start line, to get to that finish line. And it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, um, it, that that hard work is is across the board and you can relate to that. Uh, I never went into now NASCAR acting like I knew what I was talking about. I always ask questions. I always ask people if they could stay a little longer. I was also very fortunate to have um, a friend. His name is Marty Smith. He, he works for ESPN. He he had a reputation in the garage, knew a lot of those people, and really took me under his wing, introduced me to people. And I think the um, that value that was very valuable in terms of building those relationships and having some kind of credibility. And uh, listen, I've told people you you might be better than me. You're not going to work harder than me, and um, and and people are going to like to work with me. And I think that I tell I tell people all the time those are the keys to success. Work hard, be likable. It's not some crazy formula that you have to figure out. People want to be around people that are fun to be with, and people want hard workers that are going to match their level of intensity and and know that they're going to bring it. And that's the formula. And listen, I don't always get it right. I have bad days. I have bad weeks. I have weeks where I want to slack off, uh, <laughs> and and maybe do up to 
a point. But then unfortunately, I've, I've learned that when you do slack off, you always find yourself kicking it into high gear with very little time left to kind of catch up to where you were. And, uh, and just doing it for 20 years and having a routine and having a specific way that I do things um, and a type of person I want to be known as, I think, is the biggest thing. And, uh, and that's in anything that's in, um, my, my being a mom, that's in my work, that's in my friendships, that's in my triathlon. Again, I won't be the best. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, beat, beat the pros at the triathlon, but damn it, I will be out there working my tail off along with them. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I am, I'm like scribbling notes and you're actually answering half the questions I had further down the line, which is awesome about those, like, you know, those tips for success and stuff like that. But I guess going back, you've also through then working in NASCAR and well, NFL, you said you're a huge a bit of a fan to start with anyway, but now mm-hmm. like through that, you're, you're a genuine fan of NASCAR now. And I, or does that just kind of come because you get to know the, you get to know the personalities, you get to know the drivers, you're telling their stories over the years. Yeah, that's what it is. It's telling stories. You know, I, I enjoy telling stories and what's the story, you know, and, and yeah, I enjoy the sport because I know the ins and outs. I know the people's in the car. I know the the people on the pit box. I know the wives, and the moms and the daughters and the kids. And and so there it, there's a real attachment to especially NASCAR. NASCAR is like such a family. I've, I've been in it for 20 years. The drivers that are in the cars right now, I've known since they were babies and uh, and and I've done it for a really long time. So it is a lot of relationships. I am still working through that in the NFL. This is my sixth year doing the NFL. And because of COVID, that really set us, set me back personally in terms of building relationships. I feel like every year I go out there, my, like, I'll, I'll, you know, pregame, I'll, I'll hug six people, six players this weekend instead of just one last year. And next year, maybe I'll hug 10. Uh, but again, it's, it's not just like, uh, I will walk up to players. I'll walk up to drivers. Even, especially when I don't need anything from them. Hey, how was your Christmas? Just wanted to say hi. I don't, I just have a great game. Be safe. Just wanted to, it's all about relationships and everything that we do. And, and, and I think when you recognize that, that we're all human beings and we all want some kind of connection and also respect, right? You know what it's like pre-race morning, you know what a head case we are. <laughs> and so working, doing triathlon and, and understanding that, on a, on a level with these athletes that I now work with, I think allows me to respect that space a lot more than I might if I had never done triathlon and not understood what that race slash game day is like. And and do you think those those skills have transferred over? Like, is it do you, do you employ the same relationship building skills? The same. I mean, I, I, I'm guessing those core values. They work hard and and be likable and the respect. But is it different? Do you have to tweak things for NFL versus NASCAR? Obviously, NFL, you said it's it's harder because you've been there a short amount of time and with um, with COVID. But are the players different to the drivers? Is there a different a different relationship set of skills that you have to use to to break that down? No, I think it's I think it's more of just understanding the person a little bit more. I mean, because everyone's different. I don't know. What do you like on race morning? Are you super <laughs> chill and super- I am no, no, or no. You, no. <laughs> you know those those athletes that are yeah. right that that are a little more relaxed, and you're like, dang, I wish I could be like them. And I think it's just feeling out each individual and realizing, a, it's not me, right? If I walk up to someone and they don't want to talk to me, and I get like 
you know, I get totally ignored. It's, it's not about me. It's about where they are and their process of trying to prepare for something. And you know what? I mean, it's not going to stop me from trying again, but maybe I just try a different way next time. I think you have to just be very cognizant. It's all about human relationships and, and human beings and, and respecting that everyone is different and everyone is an individual and building those relationships sometimes takes time and, and trust. Mm-hmm. I think trust is a really big thing. And, um, you know, I don't want something from you. I just, you know, I just wanted to say, hey. Sometimes I can imagine it's very hard to kind of get that trust in the way you go about it, especially, again, sort of coming into that sport and also trying to learn those personalities of the day. And and we're in a bit of a fickle world where people always expect that you're asking for something or you want something in return and, and trying to break that down now. And one of the things, there were many things that impressed me and that I loved when I got to work with you or shadow you, I should say, in in Daytona was... I know you were... Well, no, no, no. You were a huge... (laughs) Well, we'll come like... You flew in the night... (laughs) You flew in the night before. I think you left pretty much straight afterwards. But you knew so much about the athletes that were racing in Clash Daytona and not necessarily specific race results, or you, although you did, but it was their stories and their characters. And the ability you had to bring that, those personalities, that background into the broadcast and your, I mean, your memory and recall when you were in like probably three different places that weekend, to me doing that was incredible. And then live on the broadcast is is that something that, again, like you said, it you've just had that passion for for the stories, the relationship, or is that something you've developed in terms of your your skill set to tell those those personalities, to tell the athletes' stories? I think it's a little both. You know, I definitely think the ten thousand hour thing of storytelling has um, has its value. Uh, I also think I have a great deal of passion for those athletes. You know, I was lucky enough to work the Watkins Glen Clash and get to sit with some of those folks. And I I mean, I may have flown in the night before, but that was not the first time that I opened the athletes' bios. (laughs) I had been looking at it for many, many days and and weeks, actually. And you'd Um, you'd rung, you'd you'd made the time, you'd rung round a lot of the athletes as well. Like, and you'd spoken to them on the phone, which is, is a huge step. Yeah. Well, I think that that says a lot right there, right? So this is only the second event that I've worked. A lot of those pros is only the second time that I've met them. Uh, You know, I wasn't there for media day before Clash Daytona. And I walked away from that event with people saying, you know, it's it's great to have you here. It's great to have you a part of the sport. We're really excited to have you a part of the sport. And again, I, I think there's where I go, like the hard work thing is recognized. I think people who work hard recognize other people that work hard. And that is a, um, that is a, uh, uh, I'm, I'm trying to find the right word. I mean, that is something that you can understand on so many different levels. And you, 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 you have a great deal of respect for people that just work hard. No one just shows up and gets to do things. I tell people all the time, everyone's going to get their foot in the door somehow, whether you know somebody, whether you're a girl, whether you're a boy, whether, you know, you went to school with somebody, whether your parents work there, how you stay in that room is all dependent on, on how hard you work. Because if you don't work hard, you're not going to stay in that room because that room is going to be filled up with people that are working hard. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's the cheat code, right, into life. And it's, and it's pretty darn simple. Uh, have respect and, and, and work hard. And, I, and, and all of that stuff is, is, um, 
is appreciated, I think, by everybody. I, I respect your sport. And I respect, again, when I came into it, I respect that I don't know a whole lot about triathlon. I know I've done some races. I know what it's like to be an athlete. I have a coach. I've been around the world for a long time, but not at the level that you guys are at. And I never once pretended that I had been or that I knew all of the stuff that like you knew or Alicia knew, right? Ask questions. What I know how to do is like tell stories about like the human aspect of this. And, and that's what I'm going to do. And, and I'll have you and Alicia and everybody else who knows all the other stuff to fill in those blanks and to help me out. So going on from that then, so there's a, a big debate currently in triathlon and the work that the professional triathletes organization is trying to do in terms of creating a marketable product of the sport and getting it out to more like non um, non endemic fans of triathlon and specifically around can you make an, an iron distance an eight or nine hour event broadcastable and entertaining so I guess a couple of like do you think that's possible or do you have any tips and advice or, or thoughts on how we might be able to make those longer sports you know I think Clash Daytona or Clash Endurance do a fantastic job at the broadcast they yeah. do um obviously it's on that you know we've got the NASCAR infrastructure you've got some incredible teams um but the coverage is great but we are talking kind of you know a three a three to four hour event can you transfer that into something over the longer distance do you think and how how do you go about do that I realize that's a massive question yeah. I just asked yeah I think um it's hard because we all marvel at the pros and we all want to see the pros doing what they do but I also think it's very hard for like the age groupers to relate to the pros on a certain level um and I and I think a lot of the stories of the age groupers are lost in translation and I and I think that there's so many I I, I did this research that it was like 70% of the people who ran the New and I, I, this could be a wrong number, right? But I know the number was pretty high. 70% of the people that ran the New York City Marathon finished above four hours, four hours or above. So that's like an age grouper right there. That's not an elite athlete. It, it's, you know, it's someone who's a mom or a dad or someone who's working, someone in their 20s, maybe a first marathon, second marathon, whatever. And so I, I think that there's a great deal of those stories that aren't told. But I do think you have to, be careful not to just focus on those people because I do think that the pros are the reason why a lot of people, I mean, my goodness, I want to see those guys, like some of the, the physical, I mean, the, the, the four minute and 52nd mile after getting off that bike for, you know, 38 miles is, is insane to me and crazy from Jason West watching him do that. You want to see those things, but I do think you have to make the, the pros relatable. Um, I'll tell a story. So Heather Jackson is someone who I've kind of, gotten to know, you know, I've seen her a couple of times at, at events and stuff and, and, and I'll, you know, I'll send her messages from time to time. And, uh, Wadi does some videos of her training and she had this training session one time where she was on the bike and she got off the bike and started like, she was throwing up while she was on the bike. And, um, I text her and I was like, that was everything because it makes us realize you guys make it look so easy. We think you guys just go out there and you guys just do your thing and you're 
know, and you're, you know, you're pushing 400 watts or whatever, and, and you make it look so easy that we don't see the hard times that we're oftentimes going through. And so I told her now when I'm on the bike and I'm having like a tough training session, I'm like, Heather Jackson puking on the bike, Heather Jackson puking <laughs> on the bike. It makes them relatable. And I think that's what is, is missing at times is just that relatability because you're like, you, you love the, the, the specimen and you love the fact that they can do these incredible things that you're unable to do, but you sometimes want to also relate to them on a, on a certain level and know how hard they've worked to get there. And I guess that, again, it's going back to that, that story and what's the, what's the, the person behind the athletes um and where they've come from I guess and and making it you know because a lot of the athletes in the long course again they've come from age group athletes they've come from holding down jobs and and families and that sort of thing um which I think probably gets gets missed a lot maybe and they think that you know the professionals have been professional athletes all their life and things like that so yeah I have a quote in my in my home gym. It's on the wall and it's from Kobe Bryant. And it said, we're not on this stage because of talent um, alone. We're up here because of 4 a.m. And I think that that's so telling because it is like it's, it's, it's about putting in the work and it's about being there in the times when the lights aren't on and the cameras aren't on and you're putting in the work when nobody's watching. It's the whole saying, right? Like um, you shine brighter. Um, because of the times that the lights aren't on you or, or because of how hard you work when the lights aren't on you. I think it's something like that. Um, and that's, that's true, right? No one's, the cameras aren't on when you're out there doing your training runs and at 4am in the freezing cold. And now, now I think a little bit more with social media, we can kind of really see what people are up to and what they're doing, which I think is fascinating and really tells the story of how hard everybody works. Yeah. So, Okay, so like, how, how how did you get into like triathlon yourself? Like, I know you've done a couple of marathons, and that. I mean, where did where did that drive for? In- well, I can kind of see where the drive for endurance sports comes from because like, of everything you've said about work ethic and just you know you only get what you you put in sort of thing and and those mantras. But yeah, how did you how did you find triathlon and, and endurance sport? So I had done a marathon with my dad in 2005. He wanted to do one. And so we did the Disney marathon and I stayed with him the whole time and I really enjoyed it. So I did the New York City one by myself the next year. Uh, that was 05 and 06. And I kind of put the whole endurance sports on on pause for a while. I had kids. And then in 2014, I had just gotten taken off NASCAR. So I was only doing college sports. So basically I would work September to like May and then I would have May to September off. And quite frankly, I was like, if I don't find something to do, I'm just going to sit around and drink wine every night. So I better (laughs) find something to do. Uh, Just around that time, there were a couple of NASCAR drivers who had done like a sprint triathlon. And I was like, you know, I used to swim in college in high school. Uh, I ran a couple marathons. Like I'm not a biker. I don't have a bike, but let me try this. So I trained for a sprint. And when I crossed the finish line, I was like, I want to go a higher distance. So the next year I trained for an Olympic and I crossed the finish line and I was like, I want to go another distance. So the following year I started training for a 70.3 Raleigh and the Ironman folks reached out to me. Um, and, and as did the foundation and I started to kind of build a relationship with them. I did that first 70.3 did not have the same <laughs> mindset when I crossed the at Raleigh after 93 degrees in the, you know, running, um, I, you know, but then the next day I was like, 
I think I want to do that again. Uh, the first one, I was like, I'm it's, never doing it's that It's funny again. how like right. those rose-tinted glasses come down a few hours later. Yeah. You're like, oh, that was all right. I don't remember the pain. You're like, I didn't die. I felt like I was going to die, but I didn't. So... <laughs> Um, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to train for another one. And, uh, that was when the Ironman foundation reached out to me and I got heavily involved with them and it became so much more than just, um, running these races by myself. It was raising money. It was doing service projects. It really added another layer to, to what I was doing. Um, and I think I did, I think I did one in 2017 and then I started doing like two a year, two or three a year. Uh, you know, I trained for I trained for Ironman Florida in 2018, two weeks before the hurricane hit that area and it was, uh, it was moved. So two weeks before. Um, so I went and did the New York City Marathon that weekend. And then last year I had gotten my bid to Kona through raising money for the foundation. So I was training for Kona and six weeks before Kona, it got, it got canceled because of COVID. And, uh, and so I went and did the, the Chicago marathon sub four hours, which I was really excited about. Um, but I've now put the full distance on hold for a while. Again, you mentioned my 13 year old kids. I work weekends. I only have eight of them off an entire year and I just cannot fill them up with 100 mile bike rides and 20 mile runs. 70.3 is like a great distance to me. Once I recover fully from, from this hamstring thing, I, um, I'm hoping to do uh, another one next year and, and maybe uh, the New York City Marathon again as well. Oh, wow. So yeah, that's I've, it. I mean, I've heard uh, I do like, New York's on my, on my bucket list as well. Sorry, go on. Oh, girl, you love it. Yeah. I love so, New York. I've done it twice. So I love it. I love it, love it, love it. So and what... So how, how do you, I mean, how do you find the time for everything? How do you balance like the family time with the two boys, well, husband and the two boys and then like your job, because it is a lot of travel at the weekends and then just like time, your, you time, you know, your, your mental health and well-being. How, how do you balance that tips for, for people perhaps like juggling the same? Well, working out is my mental health. It is my time. And if I didn't have that, I'd be in big trouble. Um, not only from a, obviously a physical standpoint, uh, a mental standpoint, a spiritual standpoint, everything. It, it is, um, if I didn't have it and I didn't for a while when I tore my hamstring, I, I would do some things, but I certainly, um, my, it, I'm an active meditator. I, I like it. I don't run with people. I'll, I'll cycle with people just because of safety. Um, but I'm, I'm a loner. I like to do everything alone. And that is my time. And, uh, so, and I also, like I mentioned at the beginning of this, I, I don't look at it as like, I have to do this. I look at it as I get to do this. Yeah. I'm very, very lucky that my legs will allow me to go out and run that my, my lungs will allow me to go out and run that I can go and do these things that I'm strong enough to do some of these things. So I make the time, whether it's 4am, I'm not an evening person. I, I really do not like working out in the evening. So I always make sure I get it done in the morning because I know myself and I won't do it. Um, so yeah, so that's it. You just get up super early and, and make yourself do it and schedule your day. Like I wanted to go for a run before this podcast, but it's still 30 degrees outside. So I was oh, like, so as soon as that. we're done with this, <laughs> another Zoom, I'm going to get right out there and, and go for like a five mile run and uh, and shut it down mentally and just kind of find my headspace. 
Do you, do you listen to any, when you go running, are you listening to music podcasts or just quiet time headspace completely? I like Howard Stern. So I, I actually listen to his interviews. I love his interviews. I just got finished listening to Lizzo. Um, and I, and, and he interviewed Bruce Springsteen recently. So I, I really do love listening to those interviews. I'm a big music person. I yeah. love hearing them kind of in those longer formats talk about their life and why they wrote songs and even when they perform. Uh, and, and I do like some sports podcasts and those types of things. Uh, I'll listen to music every once in a while, but I'm such like a, I'm like a compulsive music listener. Like if, if the song I don't like, I'll have to stop and hit, you yeah. know, fast forward until I find a song that I like. So I, it's I, be- I, I find I can't, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and tell, tell everyone a little bit about, I know you have, and again, I guess part of sort of setting yourself up for the day, that mental health, that personal space, like you have a bit of a routine when you go to stadiums and games to do, to do work, don't yeah. you, in the morning and stuff steps or stairs or yeah. whatever you call it. Yeah. Yeah. On Saturday. So it started in 2014, a guy that I was working with named Brock Heward, we were at Tennessee, the university of Tennessee. And he's like, do you want to run stadium stairs? And I was like, yeah, I guess. And he's like, all right, let's do it. We'll just, we'll change and we'll run stairs. And that was the first time that I had done it back in 2014. And so now it's been almost what, nine years that I've been doing them. And wow. I do them in everywhere that I go. I've done 45 different stadiums. I usually spend about an hour, you know, running the stairs. It's my space. It's my time. I listen to music. I just kind of go up and down. I get a sense of the the stadium. I can see some pretty cool things. And it's, it's awesome. I remember one time I was at um, Penn State, which is like 110,000 person, you know, stadium. And I was the only person in the entire stadium and I went, the, the only, there was not one other oh, soul wow. in that entire city. And I went all the way to the top and I took a picture looking down. And I have a, I, I do that. I take a picture of each stadium. I want to make a, like a coffee table book one day yeah. with like the picture and like the, the game that I worked, the score of the game and the date. Um, but uh, it was, it was unreal. It was just one of those things where you could kind of feel like the, the ghosts and the, and the energy of the place, which was really, really cool. Is there, um, is there a stadium that you haven't, haven't been to or would like to run stairs in on the bucket list? Yeah. I mean, I have never been to green Bay. I've never been to Buffalo. I've never been to uh, Seattle. Uh, I've never been to Kansas city. Those are some places that I'd really love uh, to run stadium stairs, but I mean, I've done, Oh my goodness. I've done, Oh, I can't think of one that I, I mean, if I'm there, I'm doing it, you know, even if it's freezing outside, I'm going to do it just so that I can, I can, you know, kind of check that off my list. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I do. Well, I'm very conscious now that you've said that that's your solo place and your happy place, but I'm definitely up for running stairs. We need to do it in a, at a clash, clash oh, yeah. of Daytona and things, but, um, and I guess, I guess just jumping, Miami. Miami, Miami. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, jumping back a little bit, and I'm guessing like, obviously you did triathlon, you've got the NASCAR, and then did that sort of come hand in hand to then become part of the, the Clash Endurance team? Like how did, how did you make that, make that step across? Yeah, so I remember I was sitting in the makeup room doing NASCAR um, race hub, and one of the camera guys uh, that he had just gotten back from Clash Miami 
And I was like, that's kind of like, I need to reach out to somebody to see if I can get involved with that. I did know it was on NBC at the time. So I didn't know if there'd be a conflict just being on Fox and, and how that might work. Uh, and obviously I work on the weekends, but this person said, hey, they've moved a lot of the races to Friday and even Saturday. And I was like, huh. So I had spoken with Ben Kennedy, um, uh, who's Bill's, you know, uh, uh, son, uh, son-in-law. Am I saying that right? His, his stepson. Yes. His stepson. Um, I had spoken with him over the years. We've spoken many times about triathlon. He's done triathlon. So we've kind of talked about that. And when I saw him at uh, the exhibition race that we have at the start of the season, which ironically is called the clash out at the Coliseum, we kind of talked a little bit about it. And then when I was injured, I tore my hamstring back in March. And so I was just kind of sitting around for, for six weeks. I reached out to Ben and I was like, Hey, I'd, I'd really love to talk to somebody about uh, the clash. And that's when he put me in touch with Bill Christie and we got on the phone and did a conference call. And I just basically told him, I was like, Hey, I don't know if there's a place for me now, but as you continue to grow, please keep me in mind. Cause this is something I really want to be a part of. I believe in it. It's something that I love this, this sport. And I, and I believe in what you guys are doing and I'd just love to be a part of it. The Watkins Glen thing came about, which I was able to do. And then obviously clash Daytona. And, and I've just, you know, I found out that I'll be able to be part of clash Miami as well. Cause that Friday, we don't have um, we don't have any race hub obligations. So yeah, it's it's working out. It's one of those things, right? It's like it if it if it's meant to be, it's meant to be, and it kind of works out, and, and everything kind of falls into place. And I think like it's that that passion as well. You've got so many crossovers from what you've done personally in the sport, and then your your knowledge of NASCAR and the racing. And and I think for me, it's just that storytelling. You bring a different, you know, a lot of. Um, our current commentators are fantastic, but they've most have come from being athletes themselves. And so they may have sort of in-depth knowledge of the athletes, but they don't, we don't have that ability to tell a story like, like, like you do when you do it for, for your, for your job and career, um, which I think is, is amazing. Now, um, you were the voice of Shannon Spokes in Cars 3, yes. which is the Pixar movie what what was that like was that and how how did that that come about was it <laughs> it was so cool and i'll tell you why it was so cool cuz my kids were in first grade when that movie came out <laughs> and i was just the coolest mom ever right like we all we went with a bunch of their friends and watched the movie it it worked out it was like very strange i got like an instagram or like a twitter message one day from somebody that was like my boss wants to know like would is interested in having you in the new cars movie. And I was like, okay. So we reached out and I, I haven't done it. I mean, obviously this is the only movie I've ever done, but things move super slow in, in, in from what I was told. So it's like, we had a conversation and then like six months went by and I wouldn't hear from them. And I'm like, I guess they moved in a different, different direction. And then six months would go by and we would reconnect. And then like you even you go and do, do your lines. And I did my lines here in Charlotte with the director on a Zoom. But you still don't know if you're going to make the movie, right? Like, I mean, you could still get cut. They could, they could still say, all right, it just didn't work out. You know, you got one line, you got no lines. Like, you just don't know. So you're, you don't really say anything to anybody. And then when it comes out, you're like, you 
you know, you watch the whole thing to find out what, how many lines you have or how many parts you have. And it was, it was really cool. Um, the boys, like I said, they, they loved it. We went to Disney one time and Pixar sent in like this, like thing with uh, chocolate and, um, and fruit. And it had my car in like a little, like a chocolate molded thing, which was really cool. And uh, I think one of the coolest things though, was we were in Daytona when they were announcing the cars three and I was on um, a, like a stage with all of the drivers and, and NASCAR folks that were in that movie. And I was the only woman that was up there sort of representing NASCAR. And I thought that that was really cool because there are so many women in NASCAR and to be able to represent them on that level was really neat. I know that there's a lot of people that think that NASCAR is this male dominated sport. And it is obviously because the athletes are male, but there are so many women in the sport from, you know, public relations uh, to team owners uh, to even um, women that are, you know, going over the wall and working on teams, you know, as an engineer. And I think that oftentimes that is overlooked. I, I had more women around me when I worked in NASCAR than I do in the NFL or even in college basketball and football. And to represent sort of that, group of, of my friends and people that I've grown up with was really, really important. Yeah, that's, that's super cool. Um, I love that the, uh, in, in the film, your character is described as um, weaves her way into the middle of the action for the in-moment interview and is not afraid to ask the racers the tough questions. Do you think that is an accurate <laughs> description of you as a commentator and presenter? Where do you think they got that from? Maybe not when I was younger, because I was definitely scared to ask the tough questions when I was younger. Now I'm like, whatever, you know, even if you get a bad answer, that's going to be a good answer because it's going to, you know, it's going to make TV and it's not about me. I know they're not mad at me. They're just mad. You know, they're just mad that something went wrong or didn't happen. Even like I tell people all the time, I get to interview Bill Belichick at halftime and, and people are like, oh my God, are you, are you intimidated? And I'm like, no, because there's no camera there, yeah. first of all. So it doesn't really matter what he says to me. The only people that are going to know what he says to me is me and him. And so if he completely blows me off, which he hasn't, he's been super nice to me every time I've interviewed him. I, the only person that's going to know is me. I remember when I was you know, first kind of coming into the sport and having to interview like Tony Stewart when he first would get out of the infield care center. And my heart would be beating so fast because I was so nervous that I swear I thought the microphone was going to pick up my heartbeat. Like I was like, it, it is so loud <laughs> in my chest right now because you're say, what is he going to do? How do I respond? Um, so maybe not when I was younger, um, but definitely now I can weave my way in and out and ask those tough questions. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. Um, I, I mean, we have covered a huge, it's been a bit of a whistle stop tour and there's been so many topics that I, I mean, I could have loved to have dived down. You gave so many words of wisdom and nuggets about kind of, you know, yeah, just that, that worth ethic that I think was probably instilled in you naturally from, from seeing your mum and, and your background of being brought up and just like, you know, I think, you know, you said about talking about survival. Um, and I think there'll be so much that people can get out of it. I, I love that. I think what you've talked about and is so transferable into everyday life of, of skills of professional people, which is for me, that's a, a massive passion of where you can cross over from sport into, into um, business. Um, but conscious that it is between, it is that awkward period between Christmas and new year where no one really knows what day of the week it is, but we're all kind of working. So I'm conscious of time and the precious time you have with your family. So 
I'm just going to finish off with some quick fire Christmas questions for you. No, I didn't give you any warning. Okay. I didn't give you any warning on this, which I've probably broken most of the rules in in interviewing. Okay, <laughs> best Christmas present this year. I got a pair of sneakers that I bought myself. <laughs> <laughs> Does that count? Uh, Air Zoom or the the four four whatever percent yeah. zooms like I I buy them for myself I wrap them up and put them <laughs> under the tree because you, as you know they're not cheap so it, it doesn't make me feel as bad about buying them and they're a really cool color blue there were some other ones that were on sale but I really wanted that color and um, you, and so I bought do you then when you open it up it's like oh what a surprise I'd completely forgotten about these <laughs> I didn't I'm like, but still excited because you can finally this wear them, true. you know, take them out for this a is run. True. Um, all right. All right. Worst Christmas present this year. Oh my goodness. I'd have to think about this. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't think I, but maybe the, the three hour delay getting home from, um, from my game on Christmas Eve being stuck in Baltimore. I was part of the, I was part of the the debacle, the the airline debacle this yeah. past weekend. Uh, fortunately for myself, I got home, so that might have been my my least favorite. Okay. Present. We will take that one. I think that's a good answer. Um, Brussels sprouts, yes or no? Hell yes! Oh, yes, good. Oh my god, it is good. Brussels sprouts. Uh, yeah. Love them. And I'll, I'll even just like straight up, just throw them in the microwave and, and, and I don't really like sautéed and all that stuff. I'm It's good. funny yeah, as a kid, absolutely. I used to hate them and now I love them. And I, we had Christmas and my niece and with my niece and nephew, and they were given one Brussels sprout that they had to eat. And it was only one on their plate. And they literally ate all the other food around and left this one Brussels sprout. We ended up with, with oh. my nephew. We, we also, we also <laughs> had Ferrero Rocher's on the table. And he'd eaten a he'd eaten a Ferrero Rocher, and then we wrapped the sprout up in the Ferrero Rocher wrapper <laughs> and handed it to him, and then videoed like his face when he was like, "Oh, I've got another chocolate," and then opened it up, and it was this it was this one Brussels sprout that he hadn't eaten. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> it's all fun. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, Thanksgiving or Christmas. I like Thanksgiving, less stressful. All you got to do is eat and drink. Christmas is, you know, a lot of cleaning up and decorating and undecorating. Yeah. And I, I do love Christmas. My kids are, they love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. But I, I feel like Thanksgiving is just a celebration of family being together. So, I actually, I wanted to ask you earlier when we were talking about your kids, do they, are they sporty? Do they do, do football or any sports as well? Or are they runners or? Yeah, they, they like soccer, <clears throat> um, and and I have them in swimming right now. So they do like soccer. My one son does cross country as well. Um, it's very important to mama that they're doing some kind of yep. athletics. Um, they're not. They don't have that sort of chip yet that I think some young kids have. I didn't develop that till pretty late in my life either. Um, so I think it's just important for them. I say, listen, you swim, you get your iPad. Love it. That's how it yep. works, right? Your job right now is to get grades and to do sports and so they they do uh, they're part of a club team that goes year round and and swim two to three days a week and then they'll do soccer as well and uh, my one son loves cross country awesome that's brilliant oh love it all right uh, back to sorry back to uh quick fire nfl or nascar 
I can't choose. <laughs> People always ask me. Is it, is it like choose. choosing you know, I really, really which, is your, which is your favourite son? It's a I, bit the same. <laughs> it's they're, they're apples and oranges. They're two totally different things. And I'm really blessed that I get to do them both. I think early in my career, it was so important for me to do more than just yeah. one sport. And I am so incredibly blessed that I get to do that in my career. So I wouldn't, there's no way I could. And and certainly I've thought in times like, you know, just to have more time at home, like what if, what if, and the answer, like it it never, I never am able to figure it out because I just love them both so much. That's fine. I will let you off on that one. Um, The next one, (laughs) swim, bike, or run? No, definitely run. I, I, hate swimming I, I hate swimming I even hate train swimming <laughs> is that, and is that um, the bike I just I never really feel <sighs> is that because you did swimming I hate getting in like the pool. you did it through school and stuff is that like then the hatred or just I don't Look. know I don't like getting in the pool I hate in water swimming <laughs> I hate thinking that there's snakes around <laughs> me there's ever like see people in the water and I'm like they look so calm and like and and at ease and at me I'm just like panicking the entire time I'm in the water so um bike I I'm not a great cyclist and I'm always feel like I'm not in control when I'm on the bike something could happen to the bike something could run out in front of me something could be in the road and so definitely running I love 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 the um the space that I get into when I'm running okay so I think that's a that's a good one um, if you could be a professional athlete in any sport, gender, gender, no issue on this one, what sport would it be and why? See, now that's crazy. Cause it would probably be swimming. Yeah. <laughs> like I would like, Michael Phelps or Caleb Dressel. Like if I could be as good as them, because I know the mental strength and the breath control and all of the things that it takes to do what they do, it, like it's incredible. So even though I don't like it, it's my least favorite. It's like I marvel at it all the time. And then, okay, so can you imagine being that like do a you know a a one hundred you know a, a freestyle and being that nervous? You're in the Olympics. You trained your whole life for this less than one minute, and then you have to like get in the water and control your breath. And, and, you know, and not let your heart rate get spiked. No. And there's so much that goes into it that people just feel. Yeah. No, I know. And, and like, like you were saying earlier, they make it look so easy as well. They make it look just, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's incredible. Spin off on that one then. Um, is there any sport that you would like to cover as a, a commentator, interviewer, presenter that you haven't yet? Yeah. Swimming in the Olympics. So swimming in the Olympics. I would love to do swimming in yeah. the Olympics. Fair enough. Yeah, no, no question. Um, all right. No question. Final question as we are between Christmas and year. One goal for 2023? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the simple things, right? Be more present with my kids. I feel like we're so – I feel like the Zoom world has been so great because it allows us to do things from home, but we also are so disconnected because we do so much from home. You know, maybe shut down things, you know, every once in a while and be a little more connected. But I think that that's like a, you know, I think that's a goal and not just that you should, that I should set going into the new year, but one that you should sort of set every single morning when you wake up is to just try to spend some time being more present. I think that's a, a fantastic way to finish. 
Shannon, it's been an absolute pleasure. I could probably spend double the amount of time and more, but then maybe I will chew your ear off in uh, in Miami in a in a few months' time. I think perfect time of the year. You've given so many like nuggets of information on how to be like how to achieve just work ethic and lifestyle and how you balance and juggle everything, but also with such a enthusiasm and that passion I think so um you are a genuine badass in my eyes and you're an inspiration not just for women but for for so many people so yes thank you again um for giving us the time I hope that 2023 is bigger and better for you and your family and hope to see you at some point several times throughout next year thank you thank you so much